Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers with Gudwanus Kusana Ricci. This is episode six of season two, where the spotlight falls on well-being and the black women who are democratizing the wellness space. Today's conversation is all about food security and how growing your own food garden can transform your entire life. This certainly was the case for my guest today, Nongkululego Britton Masigela, founder of the agribusiness Kula. She started growing her own food after meeting her mentor and urban farmer Amos Madulega. They met while Nongkululego was researching a business school project. She immediately got curious and not long after that had identified an opportunity that would both make business sense and have a lasting impact on the broader community around her. Today, Nongkululego shares her journey from being a mere consumer to someone with aspirations of becoming a full-time agripreneur. There's a lot to her story and how it's unfolding ever so naturally, organically. I hope you enjoy it. How would you describe your work? Complex. <laughs> um, the the word that I like to use is organic, mm-hmm. because as cliched as it may sound, really the journey has been that, mm. and it is very much a journey. It's curiosity and a little bit of a wanting to change the situation that I was in with my own family and my own health and um, and also just looking at the price of food and going, got a backyard. Mm. I can plant these things. <laughs> and then yeah. um, and with a little bit of help, got one thing planted and then I thought I could plant more. Um, where, how we got here essentially was, was a bit of destiny um, through a business school project and uh, and a mm. conversation with a an organic farmer or permaculturist, mm, mm. and that stayed with me, you know. Because I mean, the one line that I remember very well from him was, "He comes from Limpopo, mm. where it's super rich with food. You know, the trees are brimming with food everywhere, and everyone has a a fruit tree. Mm. Um, everyone has food." in their backyards as just a standard. And he came to Joburg looking, I suppose, for prosperity like everyone else. And what he found was that he actually got very hungry in Joburg. Because it's a concrete Mm -hmm. jungle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not quite the breeding, lush, (laughs) vegetation-rich place. Um, And... (laughs) And that just, I mean, it, it sat with me because it, it's such a, it's, it's, a, it's obviously a very sad story, but um, the, the very fact is that we put ourselves in a, we find ourselves in a very, very difficult place where we have a lot of buildings, we have a lot of concrete, we have a lot of convenience. And while all of that is actually what people are looking for, when they come to Joburg, it's the one thing that I think actually takes us back. Yeah, it's not necessarily disconnected. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting that, uh, you know, you mentioned that you always go hungry and it's always been a thought that, you know, urban poverty is worse than any other 
I mean, was this your observation (laughs) also, like when you when you started Kula? It was absolutely. um, And I think, yeah, so my long story was trying to get to a point where it's, it's a realization of just how secure we are in the very unnatural idea Mm. that we need to keep buying everything we consume Mm. you know every single thing even the smallest things that um and and my experiment was with actually lettuce Mm -hmm. my first experiment with lettuce and and the way it came out so beautifully I actually just remember like a I don't know if I can mention it a woolly pack of lettuce looking (laughs) it was so perfect I was like Man, woolies, eat your heart out. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, uh, (laughs) and I thought, but what else can I do? Because this is is obviously a thing, you know. I was quite proud of that that lettuce that Mm. was grown in our garden. Had you ever grown anything before that? I, I grew up on a plot. So there's a lot of irony in the sense that um, there was a lot of abundance of land where I grew up. Like it's, there was always land, but my father was more livestock person. Mm. Um, and then every summer season, he would plant maize, and that's the extent to which we there was like you know access to food. So I very much grew up like everyone else in Joburg, mm-hmm. um, especially ones who grew up in Joburg. You know, mm. I come from a township, so. So everything was bought, mm-hmm. every single thing, mm-hmm. in a in a very um, twisted way. I've come I've come to a lot of realizations for things that had been planted long before I was aware. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the the land was one of the seeds that were planted. So that that coming to growing was very much. Um, it was a blessing, but it wasn't something that was planned. I mean, you saw the price of food. Um, you had this conversation with the yeah. um, permaculturist. But, you know, how did you eventually yes. come to start Kula Organics? So the conversation with the permaculturist led to me um, keeping in touch with him because we're doing a project on an organization where he worked. Mm. And it actually wasn't the farm itself or the farming project it was across the farming project where he he earned the money and then he went to farm for passion and then would sell whatever he can but um my thing was you have so much knowledge and we all need to know the stuff that's in your head Mm. how do i help get it out of your head to a place where we can all learn you know Mm -hmm. um and he was happy to share so we went through a writing project where he wrote a lot of the stuff that was going on in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would ask him questions. And then I realized how much I didn't know, of course. <laughs> so it kind of was like going right into a, to like a master's degree when yeah. you, you just came out of high school. So, um, so I said to him, okay, you're going to have to take me back a bit um, for me to really understand. And I want to. Um, mm. I, let's start with with my parents' place. And obviously I went to ask for the permission um, because I'd just come out of business school. I went and did an entire business model canvas around this, you know, mm-hmm. um, and look at what it is that we can actually do together. So it was a partnership that looked at, you helped me learn how to grow. Mm-hmm. And with that, I basically, because um, at that time he was, he was 
kind of getting retrenched from the place where he was working. Like, let, let me help you keep your livelihood mm. um, and let's see how we work together. And together we'll actually write the stories mm-hmm. that will get people knowing more about um, the food insecurity issues. So we went through an entire year of what I call the boot camp. On the plot, um, he started working and he was showing me how to do that. And I was obviously in between holding down a job because I had to fund this thing somehow. Sure. <laughs> holding <laughs> down a, a job as a digital, digital content specialist yeah. and him um, tilling the land. And then me coming through to school mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. once or twice a week to, to learn, you know, and get my hands dirty. Right. Um, and yeah, and then soon enough, I think the biggest the biggest learnings were more around the business. Mm. Um, I think because of how I'd approached it as well. I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just a a grand social project. I mean, it started off as that. Let's feed the people around us, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe um, find a way to provide them with um, like the vendors who sell on the streets with cheaper. Um, you know, cheaper produce sure. and where they get it from. Yeah. And obviously it's clean because we don't use any chemicals, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Mm. Um, but then, of course, uh, the business things, risks kicked in and it was like, whoa, I'm spending a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of There's labor and it wasn't just him. There were like two others, you know. Mm. So there's labor, there's um, inputs, there's water. Mm, I mean, exactly. at first mm. we started with um, rainwater. We mm. harvested it in the pool that wasn't being used anymore. Mm. So we pump water into, and and actually like, um, and and we then basically when I saw what the cost was in the first season, I, I then decided we're going to go basically um, segment the entire space, which is it really is. It wasn't huge. It's not. It's still not um, the plot. In its entirety, it's about um, one and a half a- acres or so, mm-hmm. and um, actually just two a- acres. And I'm and I was using two thousand five hundred square meters. Right. But remember, primarily it's livestock that's roaming. Of course, so I yeah. literally yeah. have to ask for a piece. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's cows. A corner. <laughs> so it's like it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. But but one of the biggest to make the the space productive you know um Mm. and that we could use the space to eat and also have the livestock Mm. um Mm. and and it really now it's super productive there's not much space to do much else there's fruit trees there's chickens there's cows there's sheep there's vegetables there's Mm. there's Mm. people (laughs) (laughs) so do you live there or you go there um as you know, no, I, going go to the there, office. I go there um, regularly, like, like I go there and to the office. Mm. Um, and, and where I can, I ro- work there remotely, but it is, mm. it's like a lot of movement there. So <laughs> yeah, sure. I can <laughs> imagine. I need yeah. to be in a quiet space. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I spend my weekends there pretty much. Um, and the boys also do. So that my family is very much integrated with that entire project. And mm. I think that was also a very important part for me. Yeah, um, so I'm, I noticed you built your life too. around it, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm a mother too, and I want the teachings to be 
as organic, you know, um, mm. can't mm. just teach about vegetables. We we're about it, you know. Um, like today, I say to the boys, do you know that the potatoes on your plate, the butternuts on your plate, mm. the gem squash, the zucchini, all of that stuff is from our garden. Mm. And they're like, oh. I mean, it's getting old for them, that story, but I have to keep it. <laughs> Remind them. <laughs> um, and when it's in our own little backyard where we stay, mm. um, they, they, I give them a chance to harvest and then it's part of the um, to fork story, you know, and they're super proud of that um, yeah. as much as I am. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's, there's a lot of integration of that into my own life and a lot of it meanders as organically as I tell the story even, you know. There's mm. no straight path. There's no straightforwardness. There's no, there's no, this is the plan. This is the business. This is, of course, there's a whole lot of that that comes in. Um, but... I think I have to keep taking a step back and reminding myself that this is an entire journey. You know, it's not going to happen all at once. Mm-hmm. This is Shades and Layers with Kutlonus Kusana Ritchie, and today I'm with agripreneur Nonkululago Britain Masigela. In this next part of our conversation, we look at how Kula has both grown and transformed since it was started in 2016. After four years of non-stop work, it was important to take a pause and see what makes sense for the sustainability of the business and also reflect on the deeper meaning of the actual work she was engaged in. She has developed a product line that you will see on the relaunched website for the business and you will also find out more about it in a few moments. But tell me about... um the business side of it, you know, what what are your products? What do you sell to your clients? Okay, so the the initial part was the cycle had been we were growing a few products. Um, we wanted to start with just a few products and then kind of because the space isn't that big, have those few products available in quantities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tested that model over a few seasons and what I realized was as great as that is, it does mean that I have to also provide the variety because um, what I did get right was tell the story right from the beginning. So mm-hmm. when we started our f- first planting, our, our first season, I already started sharing, you know, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, how this is happening and how it's unfolding. And then, of course, when the harvest happened, there was a backstory and there was like, a, oh, it's harvest time. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, now we're stuck with all the stuff. Do you want to buy? <laughs> 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 so, was, that, that's when the, that's as, as eloquent as the business um, kicked in. Mm. Um, and, and because, of course, the cost, um, came through mm-hmm. and I realized it wasn't as easy to win over the community as um, as I had thought initially, you know, as in just there's lots of vendors selling vegetables. Mm-hmm. Surely they would want to, um, and they love the product. They just thought it was not uh, cost effective, you know? Um, and when I looked at how much it would cost to actually give the product away as much as I'd love to mm. initially. It didn't make any sense for sustainability. 
So, so I went, I went to the, the market in the burbs, mm. uh, my peers, and that's really where it started kicking off as a business. Um, the stories were told, the word of mouth spread, um, and eventually I found myself at a market, um, invited to, to have a stall at a mm-hmm. market, mm-hmm. Um, which was also like once a month. But I'd also start, I had initially had a website, so I, I knew that the market was a way to just spread the word so that during the week we could do um, deliveries. Sure, yeah. And we, we went into that as a, as a main vehicle of distribution was deliveries and then the market. Mm. Um, the deliveries were as organic as <laughs> yeah. one going into a logistics, a whole sure. logistics sure. Yeah. Um, business basically was would be so it was me doing it mm. um and and then roping in whoever in the family could deliver you know and of course we got very systematic around that even you know so certain days were um days for collecting and delivering and then the days where we were just getting all these things together and organizing everyone was involved <laughs> Yes, all hands on deck. It's the nature of startups. <laughs> um, so two years into the whole delivery stream, I realized how unsustainable it was. Um, right. I'd explored even getting delivery companies, and but still keeping the cost at what it was. There was still a lot of trying to convince people what this was and those who knew knew but if you don't know then you're just kind of wondering why this vegetable is different from any other on the shelves you know do you charge uh, a premium so I, I actually um looked at the market and i realized that we were not charging a premium um we were also not giving it away mm-hmm. so i was i was charging something between 200 and 400 for a basket of vegetables and it depended on your on your the size of your family. So your two hundred rand would be um, for family of two to three, you know. And a lot of the time, people would say it was generous. So there would even be a family of four that could eat from that. Right. And so for for the most part, I actually found it was very cost effective. And and I and the surveys that came and research that came from that was that that was indeed the case at market day on market days um, that was even more evident because people could then actually pull it all together whatever they needed without being stuck on the basket and yeah and and for the most part we made more profit than loss at markets but now you've transformed the business and how does it look different from what it was before the the pivot was really around um the effort put in versus the outcome is not adding up. Mm-hmm. Um, the passion was what really kept it all alive because mm-hmm. the messages were going through. And for me, that was also equally as important um, and keep having a job so I don't get paid. Um, and then whatever we would make as a profit goes back into investing on mm-hmm. the farm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's, that's the model I was operating on. Okay. Ideally, we get to a place where the business also pays 
for my time. Exactly. Uh, it's a human cost. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> and it's and I come at a cost. You exactly. Know? <laughs> um, well, without you, there is no business. So correct. In essence, um, I needed to put the brakes on it, but it was going. There was a motion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to know what it would be like to stop. So uh, just what, in case, because I also wasn't convinced that, um, as, you know, imposter syndrome, I wasn't convinced this was really where I needed to be. So if I stopped, I might just get found out, you know, like mm. this really, she's mm. <laughs> just winging it. Like everyone else, <laughs> frankly. Like everyone else, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking, when I look back now, I was actually quite grateful for COVID. I mean, it's a very weird thing to say, but the lockdown did force us to literally screeching, come to a screeching halt. And then obviously, like everyone else, we all started introspecting and yeah. rediscovering backyard gardening. Mm. So that's the pleasure yeah. you derive. It's the actual work. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. I, I did it in my backyard <laughs> during hard lockdown. And I was like, I really like this thing. Mm. So it's like affirming. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not just, it's not a fluke. I know this thing. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Good reminder of why you started in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So where do you find yourself now? Yeah, so the so reminders went beyond just... um just the the enjoyability of it and the instant access to the little things that become big things. It was really around why did I want to do this in the first place? Um, and then back to uh, so I'm kind of back to the story is really what what started it all, right? There was mm. a story to tell people how food insecure we in fact are, mm. but it's it's um, it's a lot more than that, and and I think the pause was also about getting a deeper understanding of food and the benefits, nutritional benefits, and how it impacts well-being. And it's not a thing that I'd had actually dived into. I know, I know it because I see it with my family. I'm testament to the fact that since we've gone organic in our living, we eat more vegetables. Our lifestyle has dramatically improved. Quality mm-hmm. of life is better. Mm-hmm. And we do not get sick. Um, I literally pay for medical aid just because, just in case. Just in case. Mm, but mm. we we heal ourselves through food. And I'm I'm big on herbs now. Thing so culinary herbs, medicinal herbs. We are there. So where I am now is we we launched the website. We had an online store before that was selling vegetables. Um, with the screeching halt of deliveries, I offer collection options. And I also share all the network of farmers that we started working with um, right. and where they are located. So mm-hmm. there's information. So I'm an information base. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in discussion. I actually been approached to do another market stall. Um, and if it's a viable option, it definitely is a place where I'd like to also have the next part of my product line, which is the the herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have teas that um, I blend and I have a herbalist that I work with who also makes oils for us, cannabis and mitonyani. And um, mm. we have beehives um, where we, we get raw honey. Mm. And those are part of the products that I think make up a bouquet of wellness 
So I have that. And then, of course, the garden services. So part of the story is let's take what I know and help you grow your own food. It's really awesome that you are sharing your knowledge in this way. I remember when the penny dropped one day, like um, there was a client that said, because um, I asked her, like, why, do you, why don't you use a space and grow vegetables? I know I deliver this. It's weird. I'm asking you this. I'm delivering vegetables too, but why don't you use your space to grow your own? And she said, do you know, I was asking, I wanted to ask you, but I just thought like it's your business to deliver vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, see, I see. I, I, I never communicated why I'm in this because we really need to all be figuring out how we break this consumerism. right? And here I am going through this whole thing of consumer like getting people to consume right <laughs> exactly okay so interesting perspective to, yeah mm, yeah mm. like what do we like what am i doing the the lockdown really had me at that place where i'm like decide you know decide what it is are you consumer are you pushing consumerism or are you pushing mindset change and and i chose the long-term sustainable mm there's a lot more to the journey than just making money of mm. it. It's really about what ha- what happened with me, my mind change. And yeah. I would love that as a gift for others as well. You know, I actually a thought occurred to me about, you know, you're a business graduate. So how does this match what you learned in business school? It's a conflict. It's super conflict. Um, but I also think it's a binary thing. Um, I've always been a complex individual. Um, mm-hmm. Back in the days, I used to run poetry sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I wasn't always going on stage. I was actually organizing. Mm-hmm. So I just think of it as that, you know, just because this is the business doesn't take away from my sole purpose, which is to be um, a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the case. And And if the story is... This is what we can do to change the mindset together. Mm. It, that's the story. And actually the story is what drives the business, mm. ironically. Mm. I don't ever want to find myself lost in the, the bottom line again. So the perspective will always be around the why we're doing this. And I always put that forward. It's time to get to know the guest, both professionally and personally. As you will soon find out, Nunkululego is a master juggler, holding down a job and running a farm as well as a family. She was also once upon a time active in the South African poetry scene, where she got a reputation for being a very intense individual. In fact, she jokes that she was called intense so many times that she didn't realize that it wasn't her middle name. Up next, we talk daily routines, family and the future. So what does your typical day look like these days, if there is (laughs) such a thing? First, it's either work out in the mornings or doing breathing or doing some yoga or just trying to tune into emotional state. Because when you're running this thing and you're running a family mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere in between all of that, you lose your mind mm. and you get fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I like, the best thing to do is to start with the day with the self. And then um, and then I actually do work. I have a job. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's in between all of that is is the the farm the business itself, and then after hours and definitely weekends are dedicated to family and business. Mm-hmm. What what yeah, is your then, job, by the way? So at the moment, I um, I use experience content lead for banking institution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> it's I'm <too> quite <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then what happens after that? So it's job during the day. We work remotely, so I'm at home. Um, so in between meetings and deadlines, I'm packing seeds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, making supper or depending on where the load shedding is um, oh, and then man. yeah and then depending on whether it's uh, my turn to pick up the boys from the tutor center um, and then they come home and we discuss what they've learned and we kind of look at what it is they want to know more about and they do their own research or they go and have some downtime educational watching time or reading time whatever the case might be so there's that there's being a mother and then I look at whatever I need to do for the business at the moment it's planning for the the launch of the website and just looking at how we how we promote the website um, and the services and the products mm. and how to tell the stories in a, in a way that's um, that I would a client do for a client, you know, I mean, mm. the other part mm. of it is that I'm also a digital marketer. That's a nice holistic a set of skills you've got there. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and mm. so I'm trying to do that for myself and I realize I can't do it, the writing myself. So someone yeah, to, someone. Yeah helps and then there's also a person who does graphics and the actual website so who have you modeled your life and business approach after Hmm. interesting question you know there's a lot of amazing women and the ones that obviously i look up to run information type businesses they run publications etc i find the most amazing and inspiring people are actually the women that I visit at farms. Mm. A lot of them, I've interviewed them, I've written stories about them, and I'm seeing this trajectory of the types of people I'm inspired by or I speak to, Mm. and I realize that that's the one. You know, that's those women who get up every day and they make this thing work. Mm-hmm. And of course, the land, you know, um, that's always a contentious thing. And I and I realized that there isn't a lot of us that has access to land as women. Um, so no. for that, for those parts, um, there's definitely a couple of people I look up to in the space. Who, mm-hmm. You know, um, your Nono Sehotos, your Mbali Mokos, Leko Mawani, they're now my peers in in farming. But they're very much people I look up to because legitimately, if I want to do this, I'd have to, this would have to be my day job, you know? Mm. And that's what I'm aspiring towards at the moment. Mm. So running this business, what are some of the greatest lessons? Uh, Your passion that needs to be kept at top of mind, you know, and almost needs to be a reminder every day. Um, and I look to nature for those lessons. The sun, for instance, mm. you know, as simple as that. Um, the sun is the reminder for the plants that it's time to get up and wake up. And it's the the true north, if you like, you know. So this is how they 
flourish, you know. There needs to be a thing that you get your energy from. Otherwise, mm. it just becomes so consuming. Mm. And life is quite consuming at mm. the moment. Mm. And then the second part is it's a journey. And it has to be an embodiment of organic. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself of that as well. Because there's a lot of things that are planned, obviously. But for the most part, even like this conversation, mm. I I just keep being in awe of of where I find myself <laughs> being invited to, you know? Mm. And and so I, I appreciate the fact that there's a lot of things that I can't even plan for. Um, and I embrace the organic part of, or the destiny part of um, this journey. The third thing is the constant reminder of while this thing is based on, I suppose I've built in the fundamentals of business and learning there, but I keep being pulled back into um, something of a calling to mm. heal. Mm. Um, I'm still trying to get an understanding of what that calling is. At the moment, it looks like it's herbalism. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I also sit with people and I realize maybe what I say to them about food or um, gardening or maybe just just being in the presence of a place where people can read my story or see it or whatever, that in itself reverberates to something of inspiration. And I've seen how people have come back and said, look at what I've started doing with my backyard mm. after hearing your story. And I can't take that for granted at all. I think there's definitely a bigger purpose to heal to make a difference in people's lives. So let's, uh, before we wrap it up, let's uh, <laughs> go back. Let's talk about you. Mm. So where did you grow up and what's the thing that you remember the most about the place and the people around you? So the the chunk of growing up was actually in Midrand on the plot. My stepfather was a dominant figure in my life um, and it's actually weird to call him a stepfather because yeah he was very much a father like he taught me how to drive how to tie a tie how to <laughs> live, live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was in a trick I knew already that I wanted to be a writer because mm. I was starting to write poetry and I was starting to discover a bit about my biological father and when I was in varsity I found out that he was a poet himself oh wow <laughs> is yeah so in his day he used to mobilize poetry sessions and the struggle and whatnot and I was like what <laughs> that's what I do <laughs> genuinely find this out when I'm busy running around Joburg hosting slam poetry so <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. It's amazing, right? Um, so once I'm two years into finding this out, or like a year into finding this out, um, he then dies Aww. a very tragic death. Um, and and then go into like a spiral of like, who am I? You know, I was just getting to know that part of my lineage even because being conscious and deep, meant that I have to know who I am. <laughs> people ask you that. Yes. <laughs> who are your people? <laughs> who are you? Mm. And, and you're an only child. 
Oh no, not at all. Um, I have a bigger brother. Um, he's Khutman for real. Like he's like uh, 13 years my senior. Mm-hmm. So him and I were never really like chomis. It was mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. elder. <laughs> it was the guy who <laughs> feared for. It was the guy I kept my diaries away from. Like, he didn't understand. <laughs> that was the bulk of our, our relationship was him looking out for me. How would your friends describe you now? Uh, now they would say phenomenal. She says she's going to do something and she does it. Mm. Fearless. They would say she's also rounded. Like she's got so much that stuff that she does or knows, you know, because of all the spaces she's found herself in. Mm. I, I have people who call me inspiring. And nice. gifted. Mm-hmm. And how would um, your children describe you? Intense. <laughs> I think that's intense. Ooh, well, at goodness. least you're consistent, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I mean, I get the letters, so I should know this, right? I'm called the best mom ever. Oh. I'm there when they need me. Um, I also think that they should know, and I'm happy for them to know that, and they do say it. I'm strict. Yeah. So we we just live in a constantly balanced existence where it's like, listen, this this give and take. You want this screen time, you've gotta read. You know, mm-hmm. you want this, mm-hmm. you've gotta do the dishes. You want you know, so there's that that give and take and then and that's the type of of mom I would love to have them say I am she's mm. fair <laughs> eventually 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 yeah <laughs> yeah after the puberty of course. yeah yeah and how would your husband describe you Whew. um I'm just having this conversation yesterday the words he used were abundant with like like apparently I surprise him sometimes with just how much I give and how much I know, you know. I've heard dynamic. I've heard um, generous. I've heard um, organized. <laughs> <laughs> and, so mom runs and the also, schedule. Wife runs yeah, the schedule. Yeah, and also she doesn't, she doesn't take nonsense. Mm. Um, well, I think he'd also say loving, by the way. Oh, yes. I, I hope yeah, so. There's also that. <laughs> but that's given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents, what do they say about you? Um, my parents would say that I am independent. And that's exactly what they wish for me. Mm-hmm. At the moment, there's this unspoken language of gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. um, because my parents eat from their backyard. Mm-hmm. And whenever they're sick, they just go to their backyards for herbs to heal themselves. And this has been a very critical thing for me. And it's significant in the time that we're in where people are losing their parents Mm. to COVID, you know. Mm. And if that is a gift that I give them, I think there's a whole lot of, when I go home, I get a lot of that. Mm. There's love, you know, there's that love and genuine gratitude for mm. for the abilities for the vision for the that go and do it that doing thing mm. that i have mm. nice. and keeping at it i mean it's the most consistent 
have been <laughs> with anything. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can just feel that um, this is what you're meant to do. I mean, like I said, when I saw that this is your project, I immediately said, I've got to speak to you. Um, Amazing. Because you can see the passion. So Thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. So, woman of passion and vision, where can people <laughs> find you? Um, okay, so kula.africa, K-U-L-A dot Africa mm-hmm. um, with a C. Um, but there's also the socials, mm-hmm. um, which will be updated from this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Kula Organic Produce on Facebook and Kula Organic Produce on Instagram. And that is all from Shades and Layers this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please remember to like and share wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay in touch in between episodes, then you can find me on Instagram at Shades and Layers Podcast. Until next time, do take good care.